Welcome to Genesis NFT by NFT's What The Fuck, hosted by me, Jamie Burke. We're doing a retrospective on the history of NFTs, its key moments and people, from Counterparty to Rare Pepe's, CryptoPunks and Kitties, from Xcopy to Pack and Beeple's Record Auction, with the stories from the people inside the hurricane and hear their hopes and fears for its future. These episodes, now over 16 hours have been recorded, will be turned into a single audio documentary released as an NFT time capsule. Follow at NFTs WTF to keep updated on the drop on Twitter. So could you introduce yourself by name and how you describe your role in the NFT ecosystem? My name is Maddie. I got involved in NFTs three years ago, 2017. I've been blogging and making content on YouTube and Twitter ever since and trading very heavily, trading and investing and kind of learning the space. AKA DCL blogger. Yes, Maddie DCL blogger. How would you describe NFTs? What do they mean to you? NFTs to me started off as, first of all, I didn't really know what they were. To me, they were virtual land. Then I really got to know that the tech behind it were NFTs. And now they've come to mean basically anything that's ownable in the digital realm, at least for now. But from virtual land to art to maybe even an insurance policy to an investment in a company, basically anything that has any sort of ownership element attached and that can be transferred, you can attach a token as an NFT and thus make it tradable and you can engage with blockchain protocols. So NFTs to me mean a lot, a lot of discovered and a lot of undiscovered parts of the ecosystem. Nice. So why was it that it was virtual land that got you into NFTs? Because that's quite rare. Like most people have come through gaming or crypto, Bitcoin or ETH, crypto kitties. How come virtual land? And within that, how come DCL? Yeah, it was a weird story. 2017, I think a lot of us had crypto on their radar because we all saw it go from nothing to hit the news. Bitcoin go from a few hundred dollars to $10,000, $20,000. That's when I started paying attention. I started investing in crypto in 2017. But off the back of that, when it all came down, I was looking at different projects and one of them was Decentraland. I liked the logo, so I clicked into them and the Discord was full of people buying and selling virtual land. And I didn't know what NFTs were. All I knew were that they were, well, in this case, you could buy virtual land on the blockchain somehow. And to me, it was a way to play around with new technology, diversify my holdings a little bit from crypto to virtual land. And that's how I came across virtual land and the trading of it, because I realized you could purchase it and then sell it very quickly the next day if you wanted to, just with a few clicks of a button. And that's where smart contracts and blockchain technology and NFTs all started making sense. And I realized the value of owning an asset that a community gives value to and also being able to trade that asset with a few clicks of a button to someone across the world that you've never met before trustlessly. So in a way, you're kind of like a virtual realtor. I don't know how to say it. Real estate realtor. Realtor, there you go. But (laughs) like at that time, and still to a degree now, but definitely at that time, let's call it 18, this virtual land was empty. These virtual worlds were empty. So why did you get excited by that? It requires some imagination to go from people flipping virtual plots of land to imagining that these someday would be populated with content and people and activity and events. I think the YouTube video that Decentraland had back then was very engaging and opened up that way to think of what this world could be, where it was showing you know, people 
playing games and interacting with each other and doing all sorts of stuff in the virtual world. But the difference between this and previous virtual worlds was that the land is ownable. And so you would think, okay, well, if people could play games or if people could hold conferences or if people could do all sorts of things, then maybe you can rent land to people. Maybe you can monetize this land somehow, earn crypto from it. So I think that's where the imagination came from. And you're right. A lot of the land was empty, still is mostly empty. But what a lot of us realized was that the NFT space requires the whole ecosystem to have an uplift from multiple industries. So it's great that the art community is getting crazy and that it's growing into its own beast. It's great that the collectibles industry is growing into its own thing. It's great that all these multiple industries are growing into their own thing because they will all connect somehow back to a metaverse or some way to interact virtually. And that gives land much more of a stronger as each of these ecosystems grow, that makes these lands much more appealing. So I'm intrigued, like prior to blockchain, NFTs, DCL, were you ever into like Second Life? Were you ever into other virtual worlds? No, I wasn't. But I had played some virtual games like RuneScape, where you're like this character and you have to go and upgrade your skills and go around and You could buy and sell things, RuneScape gold money. It was like gold. What was cool about it was there was this marketplace that you could go to and you could just barter, right? You could trade your gloves for gold and then trade that gold for like a party hat and then trade that party hat for like this rare sword and then slowly but surely increase your net worth. And I love that concept. In fact, most of the time, there was much more to the game to do. You could battle, you could upgrade your skills, but I found myself spending 99% of my time just buying and selling stuff. So I was thinking that, you know, Decentraland could be something like that where you could buy and sell these from virtual land to wearables to swords and things, but actual with real money, cryptocurrency, but at the end of the day, it can be cashed out into real money. That's kind of where it all came together for me. So let's talk about Decentraland. I mean, obviously you are now intrinsically linked with Decentraland, both in terms of your moniker, you know, how you identify yourself, Matty DCL Blogger, but also I know for many people you've been the person that they've bought or had broker virtual land for them. You were a broker for a lot of the 100X art community in the art district. And in a way, as Decentraland has decentralized away from the founders, you've become an intermediary in terms of how creators, content producers can engage with the foundation, with the community, with the platform. Can you just talk us through the potted history of Decentraland from your experience, from the point you got engaged to your role now as, I guess, as an informal representative of the DCL foundation and community? Yeah, when I got involved, there was really not much to do. 2018 January was when they had just finished their, what they call the Terraform event, which was their big land sale. People had two weeks to bid on any land that they wanted. And so they had just finished that and everyone had just gotten their pieces of land as NFTs. And then we were all waiting for little features to come online. There wasn't even an online marketplace where we could even trade anything. To trade assets, you'd have to do it all manually, right? You'd have to broker a deal on Discord then you'd have to send them your money and trust them enough that they would send that land back to you. So definitely high risk. And I've traded hundreds and hundreds of lands OTC like that and surprisingly have had no issues. 
But that's how it all started. It started with all of us experimenting and the ecosystem building by itself. And for the first one or two years, there was not much to do but really wait on the team to deliver, which the team was doing in the sense of the decentralization. You know, they were putting out the governance part of things. They were connecting with Aragon and allowing us to vote. They were saying that there was partnerships and games launching, but there was no real world to discover and explore. So that happened in Feb 2020. Since then, a lot of the community that were just there flipping lands, some of them went away, some of them stayed. Some of them who were interested in actually building the world, like myself, and experimenting with what else that can be done with this technology stayed. And we continued to grow and experiment. And I remember the early days of 2020 when it was an open world and it was an empty world. Predominantly, it had some stuff you could go and explore, but interactively, there was not much to do. And so when Decentraland set up a conference center, I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, let's get some conferences going. So I remember back then organizing conferences almost every week. Back then, you know, the NFT projects, it was before this whole craze happened and they were all still finding their footing. And so I remember having Metafactory in there. I remember having Mintbase in there. I remember having so many cool like NFT projects that have now gone on to do big things. But I remember bringing them in and then tweeting this on my Twitter and then having everyone come in, clicking a link and then jumping into Decentraland and their experience for the first time was, what is this place? Like, wow, I'm in this conference place and listening to this audio stream or this video stream, learning about these new projects and there's people around me. So they're chatting to the people around them. But there was a lot of bugs and crashes and <laughs> it was max capacity sometimes and it was crashing people's browsers, but it was all data, right? So it was all feedback and bug fixing. Some of us understood that and we continued to push events and basically bring feedback for the team. And it kind of opened up my eyes as well as how important the community is to the success of a project. You know, a project can only build what they think the community can use. And then it's up to the community really to use and give feedback. So the whole project is a feedback loop that continues to fine tune the project. So I remember that was the case back then. And it was really the community and some very key Decentraland members that were holding events and inspiring each other to push the limits on maybe a game. There was a soccer tournament that we all had. Me, Benz, and Sam, we organized 24 projects in the NFT space to come play soccer against each other in Decentraland. And by the end of it, they all won. Well, one of them won a golden cup backed by DGX token, which meant that was backed by pretty much real gold. And again, a cool way to experiment what like a game would look like, what winning a prize would look like, what collecting Popes, which are event NFTs, proof of attendance protocol NFTs. And we were just putting and meshing all of these technologies together and just having fun. So yeah, it is what it is now. It's a place where people have built some galleries, some people have started to host events, games regularly. I think there's still a long way to go, but momentum definitely is increasing. So let's talk about some of those kind of key events, because there have been several now. Obviously, I would like to think the 100X Art District launch is one of them, but we've had like Blau concerts. I mean, could you talk us through some of the defining events in the history of DCL? I think the launch event would probably be the biggest event that was an interesting one. It was a scary one for some, an exciting one for others. But all Decentraland investors and I think the team were just completely nervous because this was the first time where people would have seen the world and seen what we were working towards for two years. And so when that launched, there was like 50 different experiences and games to go through and win prizes in things you could win from HTC phones to all sorts of wearables that had value and cryptocurrencies and stuff. That was the first one. And I remember doing that. And then half the feedback was, what the hell is this place? <laughs> the other half of the feedback was that this place is amazing. It's going to be huge in the future. That was definitely a defining one because a lot of the team kind of took a step back. 
the team, meaning the community. Some community members got even more excited. And it really showed who was here to stay and build the place. That was one, I think, yeah, Justin Blau and RAC playing events at clubs. That was definitely a big one because people could see everyone has the Travis Scott concert in mind, a place where you could do that on blockchain. I think Decentraland gave a glimpse of what that could look like with the Kraken event, with the Christmas event, with Justin Blau playing the Halloween event where you had games and then RAC and Justin Blau coming and playing. And yeah, I think there were some key inspiring moments. I definitely think the soccer one was a huge one because that required 24 projects to have all eyes on us, Decentraland. It also had people collecting jerseys that were designed by the team that represented different companies. And if you go into Decentraland right now, there's 100 jerseys per project that participated back then and a lot of people collected them. They're all like historical pieces now because they've played a part in the story of Decentraland. Every now and then there's been something that someone does where you look at it and you're like, oh, wow, you could actually do this. Like the other day, there was someone that made, I think it was Nacho or Nico or someone that made a DeFi bank, like an ATM sort of thing that you could deploy on your land. And this is something that I wanted to shout out to a project called MetaZone. MetaZone are a place where you could purchase experiences and deploy them on your land. And soon I think they're going to be making these experiences NFTs. So someone can build like a 3D model of a gallery or something, or maybe even like a DeFi bank, like I just mentioned. And a landowner can purchase this and deploy it on their land. So this DeFi bank, you could switch your mana to Ethereum, different cryptocurrencies, and it was like pretty much a Uniswap, but in Decentraland. And again, it's like, oh, wait a second, you can actually do this? So it opens up this whole new thing you can do. And again, like there's another one where Benz, he created a game experience, which he calls the Infinity Engine, where you could deploy it on a land, but the surrounding, because we all know that land in Decentraland is capped at 16 by 16 meters in area. But the way that Benz designed this engine was that you could build on it and deploy it on your land. And it would give you the experience of this land having much more space than a 16 by 16 meter plot of land. Like the surroundings moved, making you feel like you were moving, that you were going through like a train journey, but you weren't. You were kind of static and the surroundings were moving around you and cowboys and stuff were coming out from the sides that you could shoot down. There's all these experiments and innovations that's taking place. And my hope for Decentraland was that this compounding innovation will at some stage hit some sort of an exponential growth and people will start to make some really cool stuff in Decentraland. And I think we're starting to see some glimpses of that now. Something came out today. So this is end of March 2021. There was something that came out which says a lot of the music drops that have happened, the only audio drops that have increased in value in the secondary market were artists like Blau. So do you think the reason for that is because artists like that are native to the space, they've engaged in hosting virtual events in things like Decentraland? Do you think there's a disparity between the creators that are both native to and fully leverage the metaverse versus established artists that are kind of just dropping NFTs? You know what? I was actually thinking of this recently, actually. And I think that's true. I think those that participate in the economy, in the community, whether it be virtual, whether it just be on Twitter, but you know, they're native to crypto and the NFT community, I have seen them do much better, even though they have much less Twitter followers or Instagram followers and some of that comes from nowhere and drops something. And I think it is because that they are more engaged. And I also think it is because the dominant currency or money that's flowing into the NFT economy are crypto investors. So that is the community that you need to not impress, but stand out towards. 
So these artists that are coming from traditional backgrounds with millions of followers, they're not really bringing those followers to this economy, like to their drop. The people here, the dominant crowd, are crypto investors that have crypto buy power. And so someone like Justin Blau, who's done multiple events, who even has a club in Decentraland where some of his art pieces you can take across as an NFT and enter that club, and it plays music. It's a VIP area that you can only enter if you have the NFT. The doors will only open if you have that NFT. And it plays unreleased music that he has playing there all the time. So you can go check that out. So again, like for me, that's someone that understands a space that's been here, you know, two, three years talking about the space that's building things on Decentraland, doing events, that's creating a story, building his presence here in the crypto space and doing big things. So that is someone I'd want to support and purchase the art of compared to someone that comes out of nowhere and drops something and you don't really know if they're here to stay or if they're experimenting with this if they're going to continue building on their crypto and NFT story, or if they're going to go back to having nothing to do with it. Yeah, very cool. Maddie. thanks so much for your time. And just to close off, like on a personal level, you're now in the process of creating, closing a fund, right? So you've transitioned from somebody speculating on virtual real estate to now a fund, right? And maybe you just give it a quick bit of info on, on that personal journey for you. Awesome. It started off as me just investing in land and then quickly realizing I could flip it and then running across the NFT space, seeing what else I could invest in to realizing that this is a much, much bigger thing than any of us can imagine put together. And that it's like a whole birth of a new industry, a new era. And then realizing that I need to do a bigger play here that's much bigger than what I can do by myself. So I've gone together and partnered up with a company here in Australia that are really well known for running venture funds. And we're going to go after the NFT space, not just in NFTs, but equity and new projects that come in build great projects, build great legacies here, cryptocurrencies, NFTs, in the process of raising for that fund and hopefully closing soon. But you know, this is going to be a big play towards acquiring and really being part of this industry for at least the first five to 10 years. Very cool. Well, I'm sure by the time people are listening to this, it would already be happening and live and people will be seeing your deals. Thanks so much for your contribution to the space generally and for your time on the podcast. Not a problem. Thank you for having me. So I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I did. Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast, like, rate, and review. We're going to be dropping two of these a week, so make sure you don't miss a beat. And also follow us on at NFTs WTF to keep updated on the NFT time capsule drop.